Howdy, howdy. My name is Lily, and you're listening to Reading Rule Books. Welcome to season three. I am so excited to be here. Today, I'm going over the rulebook for Samurai. This is a game by Reiner Knizia that has been around for a while, but I've only recently gotten into it. So let's get into this rulebook. Introduction. It is a time of constant war and shifting loyalties in feudal Japan. Lords across the nation vie for control of three precious commodities. The loyalty of lesser lords, the land's primary sources of rice, and the very religion of the people. Throughout it all, there is one constant, the samurai. The year is 1336. The emperor's attempt at regaining power through the Kenmu Restoration has failed. The royal family has lost all authority and has been relegated to nothing more than figureheads. The Ashikaga shogunate now holds power over Japan, but it is a tedious thread at best. Across the country, powerful lords called daimyo have risen up and begun to claim dominion over the land and its resources. As these lords grow in power, they draw samurai to their cause. While the samurai are the necessary force needed to gain control of Japan, there are other assets that the lords must consider in their conquest. The Buddhist priests hold sway over nobles and commoners alike, contributing culture and legitimacy to any ruler holding their favor. Rice has been Japan's staple food stock for centuries. Whoever controls it rules the population. Finally, a lord cannot hope to gain samurai to their cause without strategic military installations. No one daimyo has ever managed to unify the samurai and, with them, Japan. As the rival lords appear ready to challenge Ashikaga, their samurai followers flock to new lords. Something innovative must be done to succeed where so many others have failed. Some new creative strategy must be devised. The game of samurai allows you to take the role of a daimyo, just beginning ascent to power travel back to a Japan being torn asunder by warring clans. Prove you have the wisdom to garner the esteem of the samurai, and you will unite a nation. Game Components One game board consisting of five pieces, 39 plastic cast pieces, 13 buddhas, 13 rice, 13 castles, 80 tiles, 20 gold tiles, 20 red tiles, 20 green tiles, and 20 purple tiles. Four player screens, one in each color, gold, red, green, and purple, three leader tokens. Game Overview During a game of samurai, players compete over the three societal castes of Japan. Religion, represented by Buddha, commerce, represented by rice, and military, represented by a castle. Players place tiles on the game board to influence settlement spaces and capture the various cast pieces on those spaces. The player capturing the most pieces of a particular cast becomes the leader of that cast. At the end of the game, the player who is the leader of the most casts wins the game. Setup. To set up a game of samurai, follow these steps. One, construct game board. Construct the game board based on the number of players as shown on page four. Two, create leader disc. Place the three leader tokens near the game board and arrange them so they form a single disc. These tokens are used at the end of the game during scoring. 3. Create supply. Create the supply based on the number of players. 
Take the plastic cast pieces listed below and place them near the game board. Return all remaining cast pieces to the game box. They are not used in the game. At two players, you'll need seven of each piece. At three players, you'll need 10 of each piece. And at four players, you'll need 13 of each piece. Four, gather tiles and screens. Each player chooses a player color, gathers the 20 tiles and player screen of that color, and places them in their play area. Draw a starting hand. Each player secretly chooses five of their tiles and places them face up behind their player screen. These tiles form their starting hand of tiles and remain hidden from the other players until they are placed on the game board. Create tile stack. Each player mixes their remaining 15 tiles, the tiles not chosen as their starting hand, face down and places them in a stack beside their player screen in view of all players. Seven, populate Edo spaces. Place one Buddha, one rice, and one castle piece on the Edo spaces. Eight, populate city spaces. Starting with the youngest player and proceeding clockwise, players take turn placing one cast piece from the supply on a city space. City spaces cannot contain more than two cast pieces or more than one cast piece of the same type. Players proceed in this fashion until all city spaces have two cast pieces. Nine, populate village spaces. Continue with the next player and proceeding clockwise, players take turns placing one cast piece from the supply on a village space. Village spaces cannot contain more than one cast piece. Players proceed in this fashion until all village spaces have one cast piece. After all cast pieces from the supply are on the game board, players are ready to begin playing the game. Basic setup. First time players may choose to simplify setup by randomly selecting their starting hands and randomly distributing the cast pieces onto the settlement spaces on the game board. When distributing the cast pieces in this fashion, be sure the Edo spaces have three pieces, each city space has two pieces, and no settlement space has more than one cast piece of the same type. Spaces. There are three types of spaces on the game board. One, settlement spaces are shaded tan and have one, two, or three building images printed on them. Village spaces contain one orange building. City spaces contain two gray buildings. The Edo spaces contain three blue buildings. Two, land spaces are shaded tan and have no building images printed on them. Three, sea spaces are shaded blue. Playing the game. During a game, players take turns placing tiles on the game board and capturing cast pieces. When all cast pieces of one or more casts have been captured, the game ends, and players calculate their scores to determine the winner. Turn sequence. Starting with the youngest player and proceeding clockwise, each player takes a turn by following these steps. 1. Play tile. The player chooses one tile from their hand and places it on an empty land or sea space, not settlement space on the game board. 2. Check for capture. If all land spaces adjacent to a settlement space contain tiles, that settlement's cast pieces become captured. 
We'll talk about resolving captures in a little bit. 3. Refresh Hand The player refreshes their hand by drawing tiles from the top of their stack and placing them face up behind their player screen until they have 5 tiles in hand. If there are not enough tiles in a player's stack to allow them to have 5 tiles in their hand, they draw as many tiles as possible. After a player refreshes their hand, their turn ends and the next player in clockwise order takes their turn. Objective The objective of Samurai is to be the leader of the most casts, which is achieved by capturing cast pieces on the board. To capture a cast piece, players must surround its settlement by placing tiles on all land spaces adjacent to that settlement. Two spaces are considered adjacent if they share a border. Cast pieces. There are three types of plastic cast pieces, one for each cast. Buddhas represent religion, rice represents commerce, and castles represent military. At the end of the game, the player who captured the most pieces of a particular cast becomes the cast leader. The player who is the leader of the most casts wins the game. Tiles. There are three types of tiles. Cast-specific tiles, wild tiles, and action tiles. Most tiles have a number on the right side. This number indicates the tile's influence value, the amount of influence that the tile provides to all adjacent spaces. Influence values range from 0 to 4 and are used for capturing cast pieces. Cast-specific tiles. A cast-specific tile has an image of a cast piece on its left side and provides its influence to one cast only. The image of the piece on that tile determines which cast it is used to capture. A Buddha tile influences the religion cast, a rice tile influences the commerce cast, and a castle tile influences the military cast. Wild tiles. Wild tiles have an illustration on their left side and provide their influence to all casts. Samurai and Ronin tiles provide influence to all adjacent settlements, regardless of which casts are present there. Ship tiles do the same. However, they can be placed only on an empty sea space and are the only tiles that can do so. Action tiles. Action tiles grant special abilities when played. There are two types of action tiles, switch tiles and move tiles. Switch tiles. Each player has one switch tile. This tile allows the player to exchange the position of two cast pieces on the game board. To use a switch tile, the player reveals it from behind their screen and switches the position of any two cast pieces on the game board. A player cannot use a switch tile to cause two cast pieces of the same type to occupy the same settlement space. After switching the position of the two cast pieces, they return the switch tile to the game box and continue their turn as normal. Move tile. Each player has one move tile. This tile allows a player to reposition a tile that they have already placed on the game board during a previous turn. To use a move tile, a player takes one of their tiles that does not have a fast icon from the game board and places it on any other empty land space. Then, they place the move tile on the repositioned tile's original space. Fast Icon Each player has five tiles that have a Japanese character. 
This character represents the fast icon. A player may play one tile and any number of fast tiles during their turn. A player may choose to play only fast tiles as their tile placement for their turn. Resolving captures. After a player's turn, if all land spaces adjacent to a settlement contain tiles, that settlement is surrounded and its cast pieces become captured. The adjacent sea spaces do not need to, but may contain ship tiles. Each cast piece is captured at the end of the turn in which its settlement becomes surrounded. To determine who captures a cast piece, each player adds up the influence values of their tiles that are both adjacent to the cast piece and have an image corresponding to the cast piece type in question, or a wild image. The player with the highest total influence captures the cast piece, taking it from the game board and placing it behind their player's screen, in a 3 or 4 game, or in front of their player's screen, in a 2 player game. If two or more players are tied for the highest total influence, no player captures the cast piece. Instead, the cast piece is removed from the game board and placed near it in view of all players. That cast piece does not belong to any player. When a surrounding settlement space contains two or more cast pieces, players calculate the influence for each cast piece individually in order of the current player's choice. Winning the game. The game ends at the end of any player's turn in which either of the following two conditions are met. One, there are no remaining cast pieces of one or more casts on the game board. Two, any four cast pieces have been removed and placed near the game board. When the game ends, players calculate their scores. Scoring. When the game ends, each player reveals their captured cast pieces. If a player has more cast pieces of one cast than all other players, they claim the cast leader's token. If two or more players are tied for the most cast pieces of a cast, that cast's leader token is set aside unclaimed. After all leader tokens have been claimed or set aside, if one player claimed more leader tokens than any other player, they are the winner. If two or more players have each claimed only one leader token, each of those players sets aside the cast pieces from their own leader tokens cast. Then, they count the remaining number of cast pieces they have captured from the other two casts, those in which they do not have a leader token. The player with the most cast pieces from their other two casts is the winner. If there is a tie, the tied player with the most cast pieces from all casts, including those for which they have the leader token, is the winner. If there is still a tie, the tied players share the win. In the rare case that no player has claimed a leader token, the player who captured the most cast pieces from all casts is the winner. If there is a tie, all tied players share the win. Resolving Captures Example During the green player's turn, he places a 3 Buddha tile next to a settlement with a Buddha piece. All land spaces adjacent to the settlement contain tiles. So the settlement is surrounded and this cast piece will be captured. To resolve the capture, each player adds up their neighboring religious influence. The red player's two samurai tile provides two religious influence, while the green player's 
three Buddha tile provides three religious influence. The green player has the most religious influence, so he captures the Buddha piece, placing it behind his player's screen. Next is the gold player's turn. He places a one Ronin tile, which has a fast icon, followed by a four Buddha tile, causing both adjacent settlements to become surrounded. First, the gold player chooses to resolve the capture of the Buddha piece on the settlement space to the right. He has a total of five religious influence provided from his four Buddha tile and his one Ronin tile. The red player has a total of three religious influence provided from her two samurai tile and her one ship tile. The gold player has the most religious influence, so he captures the Buddha piece. Finally, players resolve the capture of the Buddha and rice pieces on the other settlement space to the left. With his one ship tile and his three Buddha tile, the green player has a total of four religion. The gold player also has four religious influence as provided by his four Buddha tile. Since both the green and gold player have an equal amount of religious influence, the Buddha piece is not captured and is instead placed beside the board. With her two rice tile, the red player has the most commerce influence, so she captures the rice piece. The military influence from the purple player's two castle tile is ignored because there is no castle pieces to capture. Scoring example. The green player has the most rice pieces, so he receives the commerce leader token. The red player has the most Buddha pieces, so she receives the religious leader token. Both the green player and the gold player are tied for the most castle pieces, so no player takes the military leader token. The green player and the red player are tied for the most total leader tokens, one each, so they proceed to the next scoring step while the gold player is eliminated. The green player ignores his rice piece and counts his cast pieces from the other two casts for a total of three. The red player ignores her Buddha pieces and counts her cast pieces from the other two casts, also for a total of three. Since there is no winner, all tied players continue to the tiebreaker. The green player has six total cast pieces, while the red player has seven total cast pieces. The red player wins the game. And that is the rulebook for Samurai. This rulebook is pretty good. This season, I'm going to try to start by focusing on the rulebook itself. So, rulebook pretty good. There is a little bit of referencing other parts of the rulebook within the playing the game section. The cast pieces section refers to scoring, while the tile section refers to resolving captures. There could be some back and forth, but because this rulebook is so short, I don't see that being too big of an issue. One issue I do take with it it being an older rulebook, I read all of the player pronouns as they to be inclusive. I was lying. Um, all the pronouns in this rulebook are he and him. I will say, though, I was impressed that in the resolving capture example and the scoring example, the she, her pronouns were correct. So they did include a female playing, but she's just not included in the rules. But that's pretty standard for some of the older rulebooks. I don't know the exact year this game was published, but I do see that it was, it got an award in 1998. So it's been around for some time. 
So no surprise seeing a rulebook that old having those pronouns. Just a judgment, but not a major one. Now let me talk about the game. This game is really, really interesting. There's a lot of strategy. There's a lot going on. There's so much to think about. I've only played one game, and we played with the basic setup. I had a random hand, and the cast pieces were placed randomly across the board. It just so happened that a lot of them clustered up in certain areas. I placed them by rolling a die and just putting things out, and the human brain doesn't like randomness because it did not seem random to me at all. But that's the game that it was, and it was very interesting maneuvering around that. One thing I find interesting about the normal setup is that you choose the five pieces in your opening hand. I would have loved to be able to have some control over my opening hand because there were times where I was desperately wishing for a fast piece or for a way to do something special. And I was just waiting and waiting and waiting. And I had no control because it was just somewhere in the stack. And the fast pieces are really, 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 really important. They help kind of provide that control that you need to take over things or to just quickly enclose them to make sure that you're not leaving a gap or an opening for somebody else to take that space. The other interesting tile I want to talk about is ships. Ships don't really block people off so much per se, but they do add their influence to settlements. And this can be a tipping point because they can tip something into your favor. So if another player does leave a gap and thinks, oh, they can't tie me, the best they can do is come like one under. Ships, being fast, can close that gap and potentially push you over, but most likely just closing it. And I am vindictive, so I would rather nobody get anything at all than giving it to somebody else. And typically, that's probably the way to play it. Be spiteful. It's great. We did divert from the rules on our first play because I have a partner who does not like hidden trackable information. The rulebook tells you to place any cast piece that you have acquired behind your player screen, but nothing is stopping me from getting out a piece of paper and tallying those numbers. I can easily keep track of it, so why do it at all? That is the argument. Now, this is a long debate, long-standing debate. I'm sure I've talked about this in some of the previous episodes. I know a handful of people off the top of my head I could bring in to debate this, but I'm not here to do that. I'm just saying that's how we played because someone would get out a piece of paper and start counting. So if they're already going to do that, we might as well just leave them out. We did take the leader tokens early if someone got a majority of the cast pieces. We played at three player, so there was 10 of each cast piece. So the moment someone got six cast pieces of one type, they were automatically the leader. There was no possible way for any other player to outdo them in pieces. They had the majority, and so we didn't really need to look any farther than that. Now, if nobody gets the majority, then you kind of go the, then you go to the plurality at the end of the game, which we did have with one of the casts that was not obviously decided during the game. 
But the game itself was really fun. We really enjoyed putting down the tiles and feeling the tenseness of controlling the settlements. I really enjoyed it. I think it's a very good tile laying game, something I definitely want to bring out to the table again, especially knowing the advanced setup. I think that would be really good to see how the setup influences the game because that is part of the game itself. It's not something random. It's not something that is predetermined. It is a choice. And choices within setup are effectively the game too. So I'm very curious to see if choices in setup can make or break the game. And if you have any insight into this, make sure to go to the MCG YouTube page and leave a comment because I want to hear about it. I think it's super interesting to hear other people's thoughts about how these games are played. So I'm curious. Tell me more. And I think that's it for this episode of Reading Rule Books. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, follow MCG on any platform you find me and check out makecraftgame.com for more content. If there is a rulebook you want to hear, leave a comment on this Reading Rulebooks episode. I hope you have a wonderful day.